0: As many of you know, I've talked about this over and over again. Uh, I am a huge sports fan, and I love sports. And one of my favorite stories comes from the world of sports, particularly or specifically uh, the sport of football. And it involves a very famous team, probably one of the most famous teams in the history of the NFL, the 1985 Chicago Bears. Many of you if you're sports fans remember that team. They were an all-time great team, won the Super Bowl that year. But what kind of set them apart was the the characters that they had on their team. If you remember, they had a very charismatic head coach by the name of Mike Ditka, uh, also had a pretty flamboyant, hard living, hard partying quarterback by the name of Jim McMahon. But they had more than that. They had some very popular players. One of those popular players was a guy by the name of William Perry, who was nicknamed Refrigerator Perry because he was literally as big as a refrigerator. Uh, I got a few, uh, you know, likes on that. Uh, But uh, there's a story. uh, John Casas was the chaplain, one of the chaplains for the Chicago Bears. And he tells the story. This is one of my favorite stories. that uh, There was one day where Ditka was going to give a pep talk to the whole team. And he looked up and he saw Refrigerator Perry, which it's not hard to do at 340 pounds. He stood out, even in a room full of professional football players. But Didket gestured to Fridge and he said, when I get done with my pep talk, I want you to say the Lord's prayer. And then he went on to give his pep talk, Coach Didket did. And John Casas felt a tap on his shoulder, it was Jim McMahon who was sitting behind him, and. Jim McMahon said to Cases, he said, "I bet you, I bet you fifty bucks that Perry doesn't know the Lord's Prayer." And and Cases is kind of taken aback, you know. And, and sure enough, he looks over and, and Fridge is kind of in a panic a little bit, head in his hands, starting to sweat. And but Cases, you know, turns to to uh, McMahon and he said. I'm sure he knows the Lord's prayer. Everybody knows the Lord's prayer. And, and, and McMahon said, no, I, I bet you 50 bucks he does not know the Lord's prayer. And Casey says, looking back on the situation, he says, how absurd is it that we're sitting in chapel and I'm betting 50 bucks on the Lord's prayer. Uh, but uh, anyways, uh, Coach Ditka goes on, wrap up his talk, and uh, a few minutes later, he asks the men to remove their caps, and then he nods at Perry, and he bows his head, and it was quiet for a few moments, and then the Fridge spoke up in kind of a shaky voice, and he said, now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. Cases felt a tap on his shoulder, and it was McMahon, and he said, uh, here's your $50. I had no idea that Fridge knew the Lord's Prayer. <laughs> Apparently McMahon didn't know it either, for those of you who are a little bit slower. Uh, I love that story. I love that story. You know, our mission as a church is simple. It's not easy, but it is simple to make and to grow followers of Jesus Christ. That, that is our mission as the church. And the verb follow suggests that there are steps that you and I take. And we believe that there are steps and things that we do uh, to follow Jesus better, like giving and serving and reaching out and sharing the gospel with others and uh, worshiping together, part of what we're doing here uh, today and, and, and getting together with other believers. But the very first thing that you do as you start to follow Jesus and as you continue to follow Jesus is you connect with God. That's the most important thing. You know, we we, we connect with others and we connect with God. But connecting with God is the most important thing that we do. And you connect with him through regularly and consistently reading your Bible and spending time prayer. But as the story I just told reminds us, no one is born a natural prayer. We've got to learn how to pray. And so for the next four weeks, we are going to learn from the greatest prayer instructor ever. It's a teaching that he gave that might be the most significant teaching that his disciples ever asked him to give. Because Luke 11 verse 1 says, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place and when he finished one of his disciples said to him lord teach us to pray now if you read through the gospels you know that his disciples asked him a lot of dumb questions but they got this one right lord teach us how to pray now they prayed all their lives they grew up jewish they prayed all their lives so they're not asking Jesus to do uh, to teach them to do something that they've never done but rather they're asking Jesus to teach them to do it in a way they've never done it because they realized when they listened to Jesus pray we don't know how to pray for rain. We don't know how to pray for rain because learning to pray in many senses is learning over Now I, I know we're we're going to have a Maybe a hard time initially thinking through this, and I'll explain this in, uh, as, we, as we go through this. But uh, learning to pray in many senses, learning how to truly pray, is learning over. And so the, for the next four weeks, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 6, where we find the Lord's Prayer. We find it in Luke 11, but we're going to look at Matthew chapter 6. But before the prayer, there's a whole paragraph where Jesus says this. Before, I, before I, I tell you how to pray, I want to tell you how not to pray, is basically what he says. You know, some things have to be unlearned before they can be learned. Last year I was working on, uh, on my golf game, which is an, an ever-present um, ever endeavor. I've always got to be working on that. But I, I was really working hard at, at wanting to, to get better. And so I called my brother up and, and, and we you know, talked and I videoed myself and he looked at some of the things. And, and, and as he looked at the things that I was doing, he pointed out some things that I was doing wrong, namely my grip. Uh, and some of my swing and, and my hips and some of the rotation I was doing, which some of you play golf or don't play golf, you don't know what I'm talking about. Anyway, there was a lot going on that was not right, right. Okay, but before he could tell me what to do right, he had to point out those things that I was doing wrong. Right? Sometimes you have to learn what you're not doing right or what you shouldn't be doing, then to learn how you should be doing things, and that's true not just in golf, but it's true. In our prayer lives as well and sometimes you have to unlearn some things so that you can learn it well and the thing is most of us unconsciously probably picked up some bad prayer habits along the way for one we we learned to pray thinking more about what other people were thinking about our prayer than we did about what we were actually saying to God Jesus says in Matthew chapter six, right before the Lord's Prayer, says in verse five, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Now, I'm not saying that your motives are that bad. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that we all learn to pray with other people listening. Right. And it's very hard not to think about what others are thinking about what we pray. Another bad prayer habit we pick up is focusing primarily on ourselves. James, the brother of Jesus, heard Jesus pray a lot. And he said this in in James chapter four, verse three, he says, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. And so we learn to focus on other people. We learn to focus on ourselves. And most of the way we learn to pray was either to impress our peers or to improve our situation. That's how we often learn how to pray. And so what I want to ask you to do at the very start is that could we at least enter into this series with just a little bit of humility and consider the fact that maybe there are some things about prayer that we don't fully grasp and know and hold on to, even though we've prayed most of our lives for some of them. Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. That's a good start. And it is a great prayer. Because what Jesus is going to do is to teach us how to pray that doesn't focus on ourselves or on others, but on God. So I want you all to stand up with me. And we are going to say the Lord's Prayer together. Jesus said, this then is how you should pray. This then is how you should pray. And we're going to say the Lord's Prayer uh, together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. You can sit down. You don't have to stand the whole time. Now here's the deal. We are going to do this every week for the next four weeks. But next week I'm not going to have the words up. Now you're welcome to read the card that I gave you. And I hope you take it home. That's why I hand it to you so that you can have something to take home. And, uh, and I would encourage you to memorize it because that's what I would like for us to do is to really work on memorizing the Lord's Prayer because we're going to say it over the next three weeks uh, and I'm not going to have the words up. And you can cheat. That's up to you. It's not really cheating, I guess, if you're reading God's Word. But I, I hope that you, that you memorize that and make that a, a priority to, uh, to really memorize the Lord's Prayer. And moms and dads, this is something you can teach your kids. Your kids can learn this prayer before they learn how to read. Some of you may even have taught your kids this, and I encourage you uh, to do that, and I encourage you to memorize this prayer yourself. And, and if you memorize this prayer, I, I truly believe that it will help you connect to God. Now, it's more than the prayer, but I truly believe that memorizing Scripture and, 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 and knowing Scripture and learning things like the Lord's Prayer will help you connect to God because it is a prayer that, that focuses on God. So let's unpack that idea as we're going to walk through some things this morning. Jesus teaches us three things about God that I think are so important for our prayer lives. And here's the first thing I think that he teaches us that we find in this prayer. Our God is a really good father. Our God is a really good father. Understand, Jesus is two words into his lesson on prayer before he gets Radical, Just two words, because there is not one instance in all of the ancient prayer literature of Judaism where God is ever addressed as father. And so right off the bat, we kind of have a problem that what so often hinders our prayer life is that most of us don't feel welcome a word. And our culture doesn't help us in this because we live in a culture where identity is achieved and not received. Our identity, our, our, our word is achieved, not received. But, you know, it's not that way in, in most parts of the world or in some parts of, of the world. In, in some parts of the world, if you ask me who I am, my answer would be I am the faithful and devoted husband of Marcy. I am the proud father of Maley and Cruz. I am the grateful son of Guy and Loretta. I am the honored brother of Justin. But in this culture, if you ask me who I am, I tell you what I do. I tell you where I work. I might tell you where I went to school. I might tell you what my accomplishments and my awards that I've received. I I, I give you my identity through what I do, through my accomplishments, not through my relationships. And I think that totally messes up our prayer life because unconsciously we think, God wants to hear from me directly proportional to how well I have done. And so the very first thing Jesus teaches us about prayer is don't approach God on the basis of what you do, but on the basis of who you are in him. I Heard a story about an older minister who always wore a coat and a tie uh, when he preached and he retired and then the young minister that took over for him dressed a little more casually, similar to what I do, even more casually than what I'm dressed right now. And, and the older minister kind of had a hard time with it. And Maybe some of you have these pictures of what the minister is supposed to do. Maybe you've had, I've talked to people who had a hard time with not necessarily wearing a coat and tie, but this, this older minister went to the, the younger minister and he said, would you dress that way? He just had a problem with it. So He said, would you dress that way if you were with the president of the United States? And the young minister said, yeah, I would, if he were my dad. And to the older minister's credit, he said, I had no comeback for that. <laughs> but you are talking to your father. Now, there is no metaphor for God that's perfect. And for some of us, uh, for some of you, that, that, that father, that term of father may not bring up good memories and good thoughts. There is no word, however, that we can pick for God that's ideal. But Jesus uses that word Because in every culture, across every generation, we all want a good father. And we have one. Because a good father always wants to hear from his kids. And the very first thing Jesus says to us about prayer is you can be real, you can be honest, you can be transparent, you can be authentic. Because you are talking to a God who is crazy about you. He loves you more than you will ever No. You see, one assumption that Jesus is making is that an adoption has taken place. He's teaching disciples how to pray. Now, we're all sons and daughters of God by creation, but not all by salvation. Some of us have been adopted into the family, and this was God's idea. Paul says this in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Now, this verse brings, means a lot to me, and some other verses in the Bible. This means a lot to me, because as many of you know, I'm an adoptive father, and, and this This verse and and verses like it really hit home for me. I understand what it means that adoption is something that you want to do. You may accidentally get pregnant. You don't accidentally adopt. Trust me. It doesn't work that way. Adoption very clearly and profoundly says we want this child. My friends, don't listen to the lie that says God doesn't want to hear from you. You walk into the throne room of God as a royal heir. You are the welcomed and wanted child of God. Most of us have heard of Warren Buffett, one of the richest men on the face of the earth, also one of the most philanthropic men. Uh, And every year he uh, gives or enters into this auction where he auctions off a, a lunch with him. Two years ago, they didn't have it last year because of COVID. Two years ago, any guesses on how much a lunch with Warren Buffett cost you? $4.3 million. Now, I don't know what he could say that is worth that much money. But here's what I do know. Every single day, I get to talk to and hear from the CEO of the universe. And he wants me there. And by the way, when you're talking to the CEO of the universe, you ought to think big. So the next thing Jesus teaches us about prayer is that with God, all things are possible. With God, all things are possible because our father is in heaven. Now, that's not a comment about where God is, right? Because when you are omnipresent, your location doesn't really matter. It's irrelevant. God is is everywhere. And so when Jesus says, our Father in heaven, he's not talking about God's residence. He's talking about God's omnipotence. That, That one thing Jesus wants us to learn is that God is over everything. He wants us to learn over that God is over everything. In other words, when we pray, we're talking to a God who is large and in charge and is not dictated to By the things of this world and the realities of this world. In other words, when we pray, we understand that there is a whole world out there that we cannot see. And that world really can affect this world that we can and do see. You see, we we have points of view, right? God just has view. You ever thought about that? We have points of view, and we can see from this perspective, maybe from this perspective, or maybe in a very literal sense. We, I can see you now. I can't see behind me, right? If I turn around, I can see that. You can see that. We have points of view. God just has view. He just sees it all. I saw a documentary, and I'm sure some of you have maybe seen this one in particular or seen others like it, but I saw a documentary that was done on the invasion at Normandy, D-Day, and they had several people that were involved in that uh, in, in the documentary and one of them was on the ground when the fighting was taking place and he told the interviewer of the documentary he said from my point of view I didn't see any way that we could win and then they interviewed another one who was a pilot and he said from my perspective in the air I didn't see any way that we could lose and so Jesus is saying you're praying to a God in heaven, a God who's over it all, a God who has view. And you can ask him to move mountains because he is the one who made the mountains in the first place. In heaven means that things on earth don't have to stay the way they are, that impossible people and impossible things can change. And you might be thinking, well, it sounds like you're talking about the supernatural." You know, that that you believe in miracles. Well, let me just explain. I have committed my life to following a man that I believe was born of a virgin. A man that walked on water, healed the lame, fed the multitude. They put him in a tomb. Three days later, he busted out, bodily ascended to heaven. One day he's going to return and reign over the earth. Every atom of my faith is built on the reality of the supernatural. And that's who we're praying to. That's whose throne room we get to come into, our God in heaven. That's why Paul could say in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, that our God can do so much more, immeasurably more, than all we ask or imagine. It makes a difference when your prayer is focused on God and not others or on ourselves. Because our God, is He is a really good Father. And with God, all things are possible he can do so much more than we can ask or imagine but jesus is not saying that he will do all that we ask because god answers prayers for his reign and not ours and now we get to the real heart i think of the lord's prayer because it teaches us to pray to god be the glory to god be the glory the hardest thing, I think, to unlearn about prayer is that prayer is not ultimately for our sake, that it's for God's. And so when Jesus teaches us to pray, hallowed be your name, we often think of that as a proclamation, but it's really not. It's a petition. You know, It was the very first thing Jesus teaches us To pray, hallowed be your name. It's the first thing that he he teaches us to ask for in prayer. But that's, that's not how we often learn to pray. Most of us learn to pray, hello God, my name is Jimmy. Here's some things I'd like for you to give me. That's how most of us learn to pray. We tend to think of prayer as a chance to say, give me, give me. And yet Jesus teaches that the very first thing that you ask for in prayer is, Lord, help me to give me. Help me to honor you. As Paul says in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 21, this is how you should pray. To Him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. That's a, that's a great way to end a prayer. That's a great way to start. A prayer now the truth is no matter no matter what we're going to do with it God is God's name is going to be hallowed okay God's name is going to be holy whether we pray it or not but what we should be praying is that things will happen so that people on earth will recognize what those in heaven have always recognized in many senses the Lord's Prayer is is simply us asking for things that will honor God. When we ask for our daily bread, when we say, God, we want enough provision that we're taking care of, that everyone is taking care of, that everyone is fed, that honors God because we're stewarding what we have and what he's given to us well. When we ask God to forgive our sins, we're being honest and real and authentic and we're getting our stuff out into the light and we're laying it at his feet. That honors God when people live that way. When we ask God to help us to forgive others so that we don't live with the toxin of bitterness and and resentment and we live free from that bond, that honors God when we live that way. When we say, God, I don't want to live in chains to the enemy. I don't want to live in sin and in, in muck, but I want to live a holy life. That brings honor to God. All of those things are in the Lord's prayer. Jesus is teaching us to pray about what's important to God. And yet that's not how many of us learn how to pray. We often learn to pray about what's important to us. Which means mainly a whole lot of, God, this is the problem I want you to remove. This is the hassle I want you to resolve. Instead of praying, God, I want your life to be great in my life. And if that means, you know, taking away that thorn and that problem, then take it away. But if that means living with that thorn so that I experience more of your grace and so that people see more of your power in me and so that your name is glorified, then that's what I want. You see, we need to learn that prayer is not for the advancements, advancement of our kingdoms. But rather, we're praying for rain. And that means learning that our reign is over. Prayer is learning that our reign is over. And so I, I want you to memorize the Lord's Prayer. I really do believe that it will help you connect with God. But I've got to be honest with you. Memorizing the prayer is the easy part. That's not the hard part. The hard part is recognizing what that prayer is asking us to admit and to live, that my reign is over. That it's not about my kingdom, that it's about His. And that's hard for me to admit because I'm a recovering controlaholic. And so are many of you. I came across an article recently. You know, when you walk into an elevator and you punch the floor number that you want to go to, and like so many of us you're in a hurry, you start pushing that closed door button, Um, you know it's not going to close right until a certain amount of time passes according to the uh, uh, what is it, I had it written down, Americans with Disabilities Act. That door is going to stay open for a certain amount of time no matter how many times or how hard you push that button. It has to stay open for, for those who have disabilities or for those who have mobility issues to get in, it doesn't matter how much you punch it, it's not closing until that amount of time is over. Or when you go to cross the street at a crosswalk and you push that button, did you know that the great majority of crosswalk buttons around the United States have been disabled? It would just cost too much money to, to replace them, but most of them, what they do has been replaced by sensors and computers that, that, that run things, that run the traffic and, and the lights and the crosswalks. But it makes people feel good, right? To push the button and feel like they have control over traffic. In most public buildings, there are thermostats on the wall that do absolutely nothing. But there is a 75% reduction in service calls if people think that they can control the climate in the building. We love to think we are in charge. And we often use prayer as a way to gain control as a way to bring order to our kingdoms. But what Jesus is going to do is teach us to pray for God's kingdom to come. Which implies that we're also ready for our kingdom to go. Maybe that's one reason why it's good to pray on your knees. posture of surrender. I heard a about a guy who used to teach at a Christian college for many years who kept a white flag under his bed and every morning when he woke up before his feet even hit the floor he grabbed that flag from underneath his bed and he prayed Lord I surrender and he waved the flag over himself I surrender what do you want from me today And what God wants for us is to get to the place in our lives and in our prayer life where we can with joy pray, Lord, your will, nothing more, nothing less, nothing else.